Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Day 10 of 49ers training camp is over. I was there today. We're going to be recapping it. But first, my man, Marco, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. Hey, first and foremost, man, uh, shout out to Rohan. Um, phenomenal coverage of training camp. Can't say that about everyone else. Um, I thought Rohan was very unbiased. I thought Rohan um, did a phenomenal job of providing great information, analysis, uh, you like it's even getting Rohan to smile a little bit. I know you, Ron, Rohan don't show emotions like that, but Rohan, a phenomenal job, brother. Um, really, really uh, excited to talk football with you, especially because talking ball with you, it, it's uh, unbiased, man, and, and that's one thing I, I can respect. I can't say that about everyone else because there's a lot of people out there that had a bias um, throughout training camp. Um, so shout out to Rohan for what he did covering training camp. Make sure you guys subscribe to his channel. Um, if you're on my channel watching him, uh, Rohan, for real though, good stuff, brother. Hey, man, appreciate it, especially coming from you. Thank everybody who has followed along and been supportive throughout the training camp process. Just trying to give you guys the coverage that I can give you, um, you know, as objective as possible for you guys to make your own determinations and everything. Appreciate that. And that's where we'll start today's off, uh, today's day off, right? Because there was a lot that went on in training camp today. I'm not going to lie. Came away again. Kind of thought it was a lame day for the offense. Thought it was a little bit of an unimpressive day after, you know, the defense has been the story for the majority of training camp. Of course, nobody wants to say it because the focus is on the quarterbacks. And uh, it was the same case again today. Hey, it was interesting because I'm, I'm very curious because one thing that stood out to me on Saturday being there was the offensive line. Like, I felt like they, they – like, as much as the quarterbacks might have underwhelmed, I know that's been the reports for most people, um, it, it does just sound like, at the end of the day, we got to look at the O-line um, because, to be honest, I thought they were like, whoa. I thought that was like a something that went under the radar throughout training camp. Like, not many people talked about the O-line, and I felt like that was the biggest question mark for me because, one, Saturday they weren't going against Eric Armstead. Two, they were going up against uh, no Bosa. So it's like, and then today, Austin Bryant and Clean Farrell have phenomenal days. And I'm like, that's very concerning. Like when those two dudes are going crazy in camp, that's concerning, um, especially because they're going up against a first string defense. So for me, I was concerned on that. So very curious to hear what you have to say about the O-line today. I mean, offensive line was interesting. This was the most sacks I've charted at all throughout training camp. I had 10 sacks today, 10 full sacks on uh, overall, 10 full sacks. And that's that's pretty, pretty damn ridiculous. You know, when you talk about 
the fact that there was maybe in total, um, you know, if I'm counting dropbacks, I had 17 for Brock, I had seven for Lance, and I had nine for Darnold. Um, that's 33 dropbacks, and you're getting sacked. Sacked. This is not pressured. You're getting sacked on 10 of them. That's pretty alarming overall on a very dominant day for the defense. And like Marco said, there is no Nick Bosa. The standouts today, Austin Bryant had two sacks. Taco Charlton was in there with a sack. Cleveland Farrell was even in there in cleanup work at times. I thought some of those were coverage sacks, but, I mean, he was still there, and he's not a good pass rusher overall. At least he hasn't shown it yet. And so it was an interesting day for the 49ers and their offensive line. What I'll say is I'd probably place it about 50-50. 50% on the quarterbacks, 50% on the offensive line. Because the quarterbacks in training camp do have a significant tendency to hold on to the ball way too long. There are times where I'm just saying, throw it, throw it, throw it, because it's way too long in the pocket that they're holding on to the football. And that's why the quarterback grades today are even more diminished, especially when you consider their stats. They're not that bad, but when you add context to them, it ends up being a pretty ugly story. But the offensive line still has to improve. Uh, Alex Barrett beat Matt Pryor immediately for a sack. There were a couple of them where they would just happen immediately, right? And you don't want those. The one concern that I have with the 49ers, and they're uh, at least in the limited reps that I've seen so far, play action. The 49ers love to run play action, and it's honestly an area where they really thrive in because that's where a lot of these crossing routes and a lot of these deep, you know, the patterns where you've got a deep shot or a crossing route um, that that go on and you get one of them open. A lot of those routes, well, guess what? They're not going to be there because a lot of these, sometimes these quarterbacks get sacked quickly to the point where those you can't even get the ball off once you're out of your uh, once you're out of your drop and play action. That's one area that I'm concerned about. But overall, I will say I'm not as concerned about the offensive line as some other people. But I will say that I'm I, I am lower on the unit than I was last year. Coming out of training camp last year, I thought honestly this unit was going to be top 12 if Mike McGlinchey played the entire season, which he ended up doing coming off that torn quadricep injury. I thought this unit would be a top 12 unit when they didn't look like it in preseason or training camp just because I had confidence in the development and what I've seen in reps from all the guys. This year, I'm not as confident. I think it'll still be a uh, an average to an above average unit, but I think it'd be more in the 12 to 15 range. And so... You know, I, I I do hold a little more reservation this year than last. It was interesting too. The, the last year during training camp, everyone was watching the the O line because they had a new center, a new right guard, a new left guard. So like the interior of the O line was very. I felt like the that was like the big focus, right? Like everyone right. obviously was focused on Trey Lance last year, but I felt like the the focus was definitely on the O line. So for me, I'm like, okay, well. Why isn't people talking about the O-line? They got a new right tackle this year. Their left guard and right guard are going into their second year starting. And I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like that was overlooked throughout training camp. Um, but you said there's 10 sacks, 50% was on the O-line. That's five sacks in one day off 30 snaps, 30 reps of throwing. That's pretty bad. Even if it's 50% on the O-line, that's pretty bad. And to me, that's very concerning if Kyle can get to play action because – Kyle lives in play action. He loves the play action. He loves just plain play action. And if the Niners can't get to that, what can they get to in their offense? Like, right? Like that's kind of Kyle's bread and butter. He loves to run the ball to create the play action. And if you can't get to something that he truly loves to do, 
that becomes a situation. And um, for me, I'm concerned. Um, I'm excited to watch them through, tra- uh, through preseason now. Obviously, there was a, a comment. Um, Kyle did say Brock Purdy will not go, but I want you to go through. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I want you to go through the plays and everything of camp before we get to the post-practice report. Um, if you guys are in here, make sure you guys subscribe to Clutching Sports as well as Rohan's personal channel. The link should be in both in the description on both, so make sure you guys are subscribed to both channels. 100%. And, yeah, don't worry. We'll get to the questions about um, Brock Purdy and uh, Vegas and all that at the end of the practice report. But to start it off, just starting with the practice report, interesting split of the reps again. Brock Purdy got a heavy dosage of reps today. Normally, this is what happens towards the end of training camp. You'll see the ones get a lot more reps than uh, necessarily than you'd seen in early on where it would be an even split between ones, twos, and threes. Today, the ones got a significant amount of reps. But again, you got to take it with the way that it was. It was an underwhelming day for the quarterbacks. Let's start it off. Brock Purdy's first drop back, he was immediately sacked. Um, this one was immediate. Um, Ark Armstead was just there. He was right there. Cleveland Farrell was there as well. Um, and this was a play-action play. This is where a part of my concern about play-action comes. Purdy, right at the end of his right at the end of his drop back on play-action, was sacked by Ark Armstead, who I believe it seemed to beat Spencer Burford. Could not confirm the offensive lineman. Just saw Ar- Armstead in there first. Cleveland Farrell was there as well. Sack on Purdy's first drop back. He didn't get another play um, passing-wise on his first set of reps, which is why it went to Sam Darnold. Um, and so on Sam Darnold's first play, he had a nice play. Hit Debo Samuel about 15 to 20 yards on the right side. That was his lone passing attempt of his drive, which was consisted of three plays. But a solid pass to start for Sam Darnold. Um, then, you know, one, two, three, which means Brandon Allen, he got back up. He took his reps. His first play, he was sacked by Austin Bryant. So three dropbacks to start, two sacks to start it off. Austin Bryant got there off the edge, um, and so this one was a sack on Brandon Allen. Brock Purdy comes back. Hit, though, um, this one was probably Purdy's best pass of the day. Hit Ray Ray McLeod on a 25-yard deep crosser. This one was interesting. It was not a sack, but there were three or four defenders coming after him noted that he would have gotten murdered in the game. This would have been one where he would have taken a huge hit as the play, as the as the ball would have went on because there were three or four defensive linemen, and it wouldn't have been a late hit. It would have been right there. I didn't count this as a sack because he got the ball off. It's just he would have taken a pretty big hit in this game with three to four defensive linemen coming at him. But 25-yard deep crosser, a great one there. And then an issue that I've seen now reoccur a little bit in training camp, false starts. 49ers had a false start on Purdy's third snap uh, or third drop back of the day. That killed the play, and Purdy was pulled off the field. Went to Trey Lance then for uh, his reps. Lance's first play and the interception. Alex Barrett, though, got there immediately. He beat Matt Pryor on a sack. That was his first sack of the day. But Lance then continued the play and threw an ugly pick to Demetrius Flanagan Fouls. You know, he was just one he was trying to force over the middle of the field. Again, he was sacked. So take it as you may, uh, because Alex Barrett was there pretty quick. But uh, Lance, not a great start. First play, a sack, and then an interception. They went back to the one. Uh, go ahead. That's a rough. It sounds like that's a rough start for for the the quarterbacks. Like the way you see, like you broke it down. I'm like, wow, that's that's a pretty rough start. Right, and I mean the other thing that I want to know. 
the offensive line, sorry, the running game has normally actually been one of the strong suits for the 49ers. The way the days are carried for the offense to flip it on their favor compared to the defense is through the running game. Because when you have Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he makes everything just look special. But Tyron Davis-Price has had good days. Jordan Mason has had good days. It's been a solid day, a solid uh, start for the running game. And I've also been impressed with the run blocking on some of these plays, on draw plays. It seems like they're starting to perfect that draw play. However, I have to say the run game started slow today. McCaffrey's first handoff was stuffed by Fred Warner, and a lot of defenders were there. Tyron Davis-Price's first carry was stuffed by Kevin Givens. He, David Price followed that up with a good carry uh, while running with a third team. But then, you know, overall, it was not a great start. Um, Jordan Mason's first carry, with uh, he got it with the first team offense on Purdy's second set of reps. Oren Burks was there. Um, so, you know, it was a tough start for the offense overall. Run game didn't work that well. There was an end around that worked well for Willie Sneed. But overall, run game, not that well. Pass game, pretty, pretty porous. That was the first set of plays. We then moved to the red zone period. You know, Purdy got two sets. Lance got one set. Allen got one set. Donald got one set. We go to the red zone. Purdy starts it off. First play was a sack. Um, this one, I thought Purdy, you know, he could have gotten the, gotten rid of the ball maybe a little sooner still. Probably put this on the offensive line. But this was an, an interesting play. It was a very high throw to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey leapt up, man. He almost caught this ball. It would have been a near touchdown, an amazing near catch from Christian McCaffrey. He left, he leapt up. And you know, you know that play where he caught one from Jimmy at the um, back of the end zone? In the back uh, of the end zone. Uh, Rams? Yeah, he jumped higher. Yeah. And I, I I'm fairly certain this was like a one-handed catch that he ended up trying to corral with two. The ball hit the ground as he uh, like he he lost control as he hit the ground. But still, a crazy play, an acrobatic play. Nonetheless, important part, sack. Next play, uh, Brock Purdy threw an incompletion. This was a, a poor throw from Purdy. Tried to hit Debo Samuel on a wide uh, out route in the red zone and just threw it wide. Uh, or threw, tried to hit him on an out route, threw it wide. Traverius Ward was in cover. And then Purdy's lone completion, a screen. He uh, was was on play action. Uh, McCaffrey, in the, uh, McCaffrey in the slot, Debo obviously in the backfield, uh, fake to Debo, threw a screen to McCaffrey, completion. Cool. Darnold then got the next shot in the red zone. His first play from the 20-yard line was a near interception. Um, tried to air one out. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, who caught the first pick of Trey Lance after the sack, almost got a second pick here today. Um, ball, was, uh, ball hit both of his hands, a high pass. He jumped up, tried to get it, couldn't corral it in with two hands, though it was a high pass. Near interception here from Sam Darnold in the red zone. And then, that's why he plays defense. <laughs> exactly. But after a Tyree Davis-Price draw, um, Darnold then had a uh, a nice touchdown, hit Ray-Ray McLeod for a 17-yard touchdown in the back of the end zone. This one could have been a sack. I would have blamed it on the quarterback had it been a sack. This one could have been a sack. I did not call it a sack. I called it a touchdown, hence my ruling here. Solid throw, though, from Sam Darnold, just processed a little slow. Thought he could have gotten there a little sooner and gotten the, gotten the throw off, but maybe sack, but a touchdown here from Sam Darnold. Brandon Allen then gets his first set of red zone reps. First play, a screen. Hit TDP. Um, second play, he got sacked. Um, this one, T.Y. McGill just bullied Joey Shepard. Got there from the interior, 
got a sack here on Brandon Allen. And then the third play hit Jordan Mason. This was a good throw. Hit him for about 10 yards. Mason was out wide, uh, ran about a curl route. And uh, a good play here from Brandon Allen. He got two completions on the drive. Nothing substantial. A 10-yard throw and a screen pass. But probably the best red zone uh, uh, you know, red zone effort so far, given Purdy got sacked in completion screen, Donald near interception, and then the touchdown on a maybe sack. So again, shaky play for the 49er quarterbacks to start. Brock Purdy though, turned that around here in his second choice, uh, second opportunity in the red zone. He hit three touchdowns in a row. First one was to Jawan Jennings on a 10 yard out. It was a good throw. Uh, this one was well in front of Jennings, was able to catch it, corral it inside the inside the sidelines for a touchdown. Good ball. Charvarius Ward was in coverage. Then he hit Tay Martin on a seven-yard slant. Martin hit it. He was open, caught it, ran it in stride for a touchdown. And then the final touchdown was to Willie Sneed. It was about a six-yard in route. Charvarius Ward was in coverage. It was tighter coverage. Purdy, good job maneuvering the defense and then finding that route. It was on the backside, or sorry, it was not on the backside, but I don't believe it was the first read. Got to the second read, hit Willie Sneed for the slant, close coverage by Ward, but a touchdown, good catch by Sneed. Trey Lance, then he continued in the red zone. His his first choice, uh, his first uh, opportunity in the red zone. His first play was a slant to Chris Conley for ten yards, and that was a touchdown. His next play was the the one that was interesting, the QB draw. Uh, they they brought back the QB draw. It was a designed run. Lance at the seven-yard line ran up the middle, got six yards on the play, was ruled down at the one-yard line. Again, you can't really tell because there's no tackling, but was ruled down just short of the touchdown. In your, in your perspective, does he get in? In a game, does he get in? Personally, no. I did think that there were two or three people uh, there that would have made the stop. But again, if Lance bulldozes in, that's a touchdown. It's it's one where you 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 truly have to test the tackling of the player. But um, I, I which that was players positive. which players was it that were? Uh, it was like Oren Burks and it was a it was a linebacker or something like that. He's trucking Oren Burks. I'm sorry, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, but he could get there. The third play though, Lance sacked by Austin Bryant. Austin Bryant second sack of the day. He threw the ball away after rolling to his right. So. First session, that included the first 11-on-11s and then a red zone period. Brock Purdy ended 5 of 6, but had two sacks and three touchdowns. Sam Darnold ended 2 of 3, the touchdown, and then the near interception. Lance, 1 of 1, had the two sacks, of which one ended up being an interception after the play. Stats look good. Play, not so much. And, and that's exactly where the context is, is included because – you could put this. You could tweet out like I've seen people tweet out the stats with no context included. It looks like the quarterbacks had a solid day, but then when you include the context, like mm, they really didn't have that great of a day. Um, again, if you guys are just if you guys are tuning in, just tuning in, make sure you guys subscribe to both channels, Clutch Gene Sports as well as Rohan's personal channel. Rohan, moving into the next next period, they go into move the ball period, right? And um. The, yeah, so this was an interesting one. They did move the ball, but move the ball in the red zone. Okay, that's 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 new to training camp for at least this year. Yeah, so they they decided they they wanted in the last practice to do move the ball, but during the red zone, really really hammering on red zone play because Purdy got two sets of plays in the red zone, uh, and each of the other quarterbacks got one, same as in eleven. So. Purdy has four sets of plays. Each of the other quarterbacks has two sets of plays at this portion in camp uh, or at this portion in practice. 
Then comes move the ball, but in the red zone, which was interesting. Brock Purdy, obviously, he starts as the first quarterback. Here's how it goes. Purdy, first down, first and 10, threw a check down over the middle to Debo Samuel, got about five to six yards on the play, and then five to five yards after, resulting in a first down. So got from the 20-yard line to the 10-yard line on first down. Um, Christian McCaffrey had a good run, got about seven, eight yards, leading to a second and three uh, or second and goal at the three yard line. Purdy actually had a nice throw here. Um, hit Danny Gray on an out route for a touchdown. Gray just dropped the pass. Gray was pretty furious with himself afterwards. Um, didn't didn't look happy that he dropped it. But then third and goal, uh, Brock Purdy, he was looking to scramble. Um, got a touchdown on the play on a run, but there was a flag on the play, likely against the offense, nullifying the touchdown run from Brock Purdy. And so that was where the drive ended. So not a touchdown drive there, solid drive, but more so a check down, good yak, a good run. That was kind of the majority of that drive. For the for the Danny Gray drop, did he let it get in on his chest or did it hit his hands and it fell? It seemed like he wanted to bring it into his chest. It hit his hands. It seemed like he might have wanted to bring it into his chest. I know he has had trouble, you know, with chest kind of uh, catches before, but it seemed like that one was an interesting one. Uh, they obviously won't post a clip of a drop, but it seemed like he was trying to bring it into his chest and just let it slip. Yeah, because that's something that's something that I've, I've noticed in the past is he's a, a chest catcher and he's been trying to work on his hands. So that's the reason why I asked that one. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I was surprised because it was probably one of the first true drops I've charted from Danny Gray in a in an offseason where he's gotten a good amount of work in 11. So a pretty uh, pretty interesting play, obviously, there. But that ended Brock Purdy's first session and moved the ball for red zone. Trey Lance came out. Uh, Lance started his drive first and 10 at the 20, hit Ray Ray McLeod on a four-yard uh, four out route, uh, led to a second and six. And then uh, he drew them offsides, drew the defense offsides. It seemed like it could have been a false start on the right side of the offensive line. Instead, it was called an offsides penalty. So a second and six went to a second and one. Jordan Mason then ran uh, that one in for a six-yard uh, six gain on second and one, leading to first and goal at the seven-yard line. Then Trey Lance drew the defense offsides again. Austin Bryant flagged for all uh, offsides here. First and goal at the seven becomes first and goal at the four. Lance then scrambles on, uh, or the next play was interesting. Uh, it was a play action play to the left side. He was looking for Rost Welly or Ray Ray McLeod. It's one of those play actions where he looks to the left side and it's essentially like a two route read. You know what I mean? Where you've got okay, yeah. the deeper route, you've got the route. Yeah, a high low. Um, the receivers were terrible on this one. Rost Welly was really slow getting out of his break, just couldn't get open. Ray Ray McLeod got stuffed in press coverage. I believe it was Ray Ray McLeod got stuffed in press coverage. Nobody open on this one. Lance then scrambles to his left side. Personally, I wanted him to throw this ball away. You're at the you're at the four yard line. Don't lose yardage. Lance then tries to scramble, loses two yards on the scramble, leading to a second and goal. Then at the six yard line, would have liked to throw away there from Lance, but nobody open off the play action, which led to his scramble. Then third and goal. Uh, or sorry, second and goal. Jordan Mason gets a carry here again, rushes it in for two, gets third and goal, then at the uh, back at the four-yard line. And this one was a poor pass from Trey Lance. Threw an incompletion here to the left side, nearly picked off for his what would have been second interception of the day. This one didn't come, though, with a sack. So near interception here from Trey Lance. Um, just, a, you know, just a poor play, uh, or not a poor play, but a poor throw there that almost led to a pick. 
So that platform, platform 246 asks, can I ask how he drew them off sides? My guess is he a uh, hard count. Hard uh, count would be my guess. Yeah, personally, like it's tough to, to, to truly identify how it happens because we can't hear the quarterback. So we can't hear their hard count. We can't hear things like that. So it's truly tough to identify exactly how it happened. But what assume the hard count, which has worked on a couple of times this offseason, um, to, to my surprise. And what's interesting, well. what's interesting to me is Lance actually go, uh, getting them on a hard count, especially because Austin Bryant was getting in the backfield constantly. So kind of, uh, to me, the way I see it is quarterback change up the count. Hey, you know, they keep getting us. Uh, we're getting beaten. Like, they're not obviously not saying this to his offensive lineman because you don't want to tell your old lineman, hey, you keep getting your ass kicked, right? Something you don't do as a quarterback. But you're in there, you're like, hey, my, mentally, my offensive line is getting worked. I got to change the count. If it's constantly on one, they're getting that jump. You know when it's coming. Um, changing the count, getting them two times back-to-back, that's very impressive for a young quarterback. Um, and I want the quarterback to start doing that more. If you, if you see your own line struggling, help them out in any way you can. Change up the count. Get them on a hard count. As soon as you get them on a hard count, defensive line stops jumping and anticipating the count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how it is, and that's something Lance has done pretty well, right? In his uh, in the limited snaps that I've seen so far, gotten a couple of offsides calls from him. But Lance, unfortunately, could not convert third and goal near interception on that poor uh, poor ball there from Lance. That led to them flipping it back to Purdy. So what they did here was they went Purdy, Lance, and then back to Purdy. They skipped the third quarterback uh this time around and so purdy got a pretty got a, a set of reps here and he started off first and goal tyrant so they they moved it they moved it to the 10 yard line and says starting at the 20 first and goal here for tyrant davis price got a run four or five yards to lead up second and goal at around the six yard line davis price got the next carry as well but this one was blown up by fred warner really no gain leading to a third and six at, uh, or third and goal at the six-yard line, and it was the same combination earlier that sacked Brock Purdy here again. Third and goal at the six, Purdy sacked by Ark Armstead and Cleveland Farrell once again. So, um, you know, a solid day for those two defensive linemen, and that is absolutely something you don't want to see, a sack in the red zone. That is something absolutely you don't want to see. Unfortunate, though, there for the offense. And this, it seems like, they're getting sacked. So I, I noticed too, um, yesterday or Saturday, they were backed up against their their own goal line. Uh, Colt McKibbe gives up a potential safety. Uh, that's yeah. something I had charted. Um, and it, it just seems weird that the way they're getting their sacks, like it's situational sacks that you don't want to give up. Like that's to me, that's the biggest concerning point of the offensive line because everyone bashed Mike McGlinchey for his situational sacks, right? Like. His sacks came usually on a key situation, and they didn't come any any other time. Like they felt like it was usually like those key moments. And right now, it sounds like the offensive line is having these sacks on key moments, and that is what's concerning to me. And I, I mean, I agree. And the other portion of it is one thing I will give the benefit of the doubt right now for um, compared to the preseason is forty nine er quarterbacks might be instructed. You know, don't don't try and throw it away. It doesn't matter. Just try and finish the play. Try and see what you want to do. And that might lead to them holding on to the ball a lot longer. Even on plays where it's on the offensive line, you'll see quarterbacks obviously throw it away at times in a real game. Identify it and throw it away in a quick time in a real game. But in training camp, you know, they're, they're, 
the court the coaches might just be saying your objective just finish the play get get through your greeds finish the play and that's something that should change in the preseason and hopefully also in joint practices because you're getting sacked by another team that is something that i'm hoping you know we'll see what changes over the next week or so um and heading into the first preseason game because if this type of behavior continues it will be an issue for the 49ers offensive line and for, uh, sorry the 49ers offense absolutely but it was interesting because Brock Purdy got that set of reps there um uh moved the ball in the at the goal line um so his his drive ended with a sack on third and goal at the 6 yard line they then did regular move the ball or sorry uh, not regular move the ball. They just did re uh, just regular 11 on 11s, regular team drills. They moved it back to the 45 yard line, did regular team drills. Purdy, who just got the set of reps, went again. And so um, on the first play, you know, Jordan Mason, he got a first, uh, the first carry. CMC got a carry there. And this is kind of like, you know, up to here is where Purdy hadn't been playing atrocious, right? He had a really solid red zone period where he had three touchdowns. Apart from that, middling play. But this is kind of where the deteriorating play for all quarterbacks kind of really started. Um, because Purdy then, his first ball was an incompletion to Debo Samuel. It was a deep one. Um, personally, I felt this play was on the receiver. One of Purdy's incompletions, which was, or sorry, two of Purdy's incompletions today, I felt were on receivers. First one was Danny Gray dropping the pass. This next one was Debo Samuel on a deep ball. This was a nicely thrown fade. 20 yards down the field. This was the first time in a little bit that I'd seen Brock Purdy accurately accurately hit that uh that you know that fade route, that that route deep down the field on a one-on-one. -on -one. Samuel had beaten um who I believe was Traverius Ward, could not clarify, but or actually might have been no no no, sorry. He had beaten Diameter Lenore. But I didn't like what Samuel did on the route. It seemed as if Samuel was anticipating an underthrow because as, as the ball was released, Samuel nudged back into Diameter Lenore rather than continuing to run his route. And as a result, the ball was slightly overthrown, whereas if Samuel continues to run, the ball hits him in stride. That was an interesting thing. Would blame it on the receiver. It seemed like he misread the ball, thought it would have been underthrown, and therefore made a move kind of a slight move back before moving forward would blame you know that, that you know what that says about the receiver's thoughts on the quarterback's arm right i mean yes but it should still you should still be able to read the ball well enough for you to make that catch that's maybe, that's maybe, maybe maybe the quarterback should have a strong enough arm to hit him and hit him in stride on a every right on a consistent basis where the receiver doesn't have to think in his head i have to come back for the 50 50 ball I, that's just something to point out i mean Receivers don't stop running their routes and start looking for the ball once they get past a certain yardage, unless they have a quarterback that can't throw that deep. I mean, now I'm I'm not going to dis disagree with that because there have been a couple of underthrown <laughs> balls right from Brock Purdy recently, especially ones in the direction of Debo Samuel. There was a uh, one the other day that was a jump ball, but I'm still if if I'm talking on a play by play basis, which I am right now, still got to put it where I believe the this play went, and I thought Purdy put a good ball here. Um, that should have been on the receiver, but overall incompletion there. Then the next play, um, Purdy's last play of his drive, Jake Brendel had a bad snap here. Um, Purdy then, um, you know, he was off platform a little bit and threw a 50, not, he wasn't off platform, but he, he kind of rushed his throw and just looked to, to, to safety target George Kittle. 
essentially threw a 50-50 ball up there for George Kittle um, uh, with Deshaun Gibson. Was it a good throw? No, it was not necessarily on target. Kittle had to reach up with one arm, couldn't really grab it. I didn't think that this was on Kittle or anything like that. Thought it was an incompletion. Deshaun Gibson in coverage there. Um, tough play, but, you know, it kind of got ruined by the bad snap. And it, I'm concerned. Not like, not like super duper concerned, um, obviously, but everything you just explained with context and the numbers, it very does. I, initially, I did text you, hey, how to practice go, and your your response was underwhelming. Like literally, that was the response that I got, and like, and that wasn't just from you, it was from others as well. And I'm like, wow. But after you went through the context, I'm like, dang. We really – our offense really struggled. And this is an offense that was kicking the defense's ass for a good majority of the training camp. Like, after the first two practices, the offense probably kicked the defense's butt on a consistent basis, on probably daily after that. So, it's it's crazy to hear. I mean, defense might have finally caught up to what the 49ers or offense is doing, um, stuff like that. I, I know Steve Perellis keeps saying that the – let's talk week six to eight to see where we're at. This defense is loaded. Uh, a landscaper can lead them to the Super Bowl. I disagree. I think um, the Niners offense has been whooping this defense's butt. So I, I guess using the defense's loaded part would be considered an excuse or, or a way out to to dictate how today went because every other day they've been whooping on the defense. So I think that's an excuse to use, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. And again, like I think the defense <clears throat> is strong. But I also think other defenses are going to be strong, and I think that that's the reason that you, you you do have to take it with a grain of salt, but you also have to account for truly how the offense is playing on its own, right? There are some plays where the defense isn't involved, and the offense is just not having a great play. And even if the defense is involved, there are some plays where I feel, you know, you could throw the ball away. You could, like, you could process quicker, especially, you know, if, if a route is covered, it, it's on you to process quicker to go to the next read and things like that. I mean, those are just small little uh, things, but I, that's, that's something that I, that I pointed out. Absolutely. Hey, and I uh, just wanted to say Rich Kelts. Oh, good to meet you, my man. I, I, he, he, he walked up to me today. Appreciate you, man. Good to meet you. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I, I reminded you of that one because I did move on to a couple of them before I could get that one too. So shout out to Rick Kelts uh, meeting Rohan today. Uh, Rohan's a great dude. Pretty sure you're a great dude as well. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to both channels. I do have a question before we get on to your next part. Let's go so for it. Just because the Niners did rep a lot of red zone stuff today and they did red zone move the ball, I think this is a great question before we continue going because you just got done talking about the red zone stuff. So. 49ers led the league in 14 field goals attempts inside the 10-yard line and led the league with 10 field goals attempts inside the five-yard line. Does this conversation concern you? Um, yes and no. Do I think the 49ers have been conservative? And I, I actually I'm going to point to something you brought up in spaces, but do I think the 49ers have been are conservative overall in the Shanahan regime in these situations? Yes. And it's something we had this conversation and I liked uh, the arguments made. I do think the 49ers are conservative in situational, like in, in situational uh, times, you know, where it's it's like fourth and three at the 10-yard line or something like that, and they choose to kick a field goal. 
does that concern me? Yes, there have been times where I've openly disagreed with Kyle Shanahan on his decisions to kick field goals over go for it because I do believe that not only do the analytics show that you probably should go for it, I do believe that the momentum change in the things uh, and that specific situation prompt you to go for it when you especially can trust a defense as loaded as the one the 49ers had this past season, you know, especially when you could trust a defense like that. This this is a concern. Um, but I'm not going to blame the play calling because I do believe that there are routes that should end up becoming touchdowns should the quarterback and should the receivers end up making that play. I do believe Shanahan designs for plays in order to obviously score touchdowns during the time that they're in the red zone. I just maybe question his fourth down decision making at times where he opts to conservatively go for field goals um, rather than trust his defense and try and score sets. See, I'm not concerned. I agree with you. I'm not concerned on the um, aggressiveness or uh, situational aggressiveness because of the defense. But where I, I am, where I do question Kyle is like, for example, you're inside the five, right? And you're inside the, like, there's times he settled for a field goal at the three. With, with how good of a defense you have, the odds of a team marching down the field 97 or 95 yards on your defense is very, very low. And then, for example, when people were like, oh, well, the analytics say, kick the field goal here. You have a great defense. You're up seven. No, analytics say, go for the touchdown, get the touchdown, the seven points, instead of the three, and force someone, if you don't get it, the analytics still was in favor of they can't march down on your defense. So, for me, it concerns me a little bit um, only because I don't know how, how long your defense is going to be a top five defense in the league. And if this is his mindset – after the defense is a top five um, defense in the league, then it's concerning. But right now, since you have a top five, I'm not too concerned about it. And that's what I was talking about earlier in the spaces because the, with Kyle, you have such a great defense that you feel confident with the three-point lead because your defense is the best team in the, in the league. Um, so for me, I'm not too concerned about it, but I would wish the 49ers would be more aggressive inside within the five-yard line on fourth down situations. I would be willing to, you know what? Trust your quarterback, trust your O-line and your receivers that you have. You have all pros at receiver, tight end, and running back. Go for it, man. Go for it. Stop being scared. Go for it. Um, but I thought that was just a great question after talking the red zone period. You could go ahead. and I think the next play was move the ball period. Yeah, yeah. So uh, talking about that, I mean, I talked about – um, Brock Purdy's drive right before move the ball period starts. So Brock Purdy got the first just regular uh, team drills, the second session of it. Then uh, Sam Darnold came into the fold. He had one throw or sorry, he had two dropbacks on this on this drive. One of them was to Ty Davis Price had a check down. It was a quick check down. The second one, he was sacked. To me, this one was him on him. Uh, he was just slow uh, in diagnosing the play and slow in getting the ball out. Then ended up scrambling out and just dumping it off to Debo Samuel. This one was a sack, blamed it on the quarterback. But the checkdown was interesting. Something I noticed on it, he he threw the checkdown as if it was his first read on it. And this one was like they're repping a situational play. It was third and six. He threw the checkdown as if it was his first read, probably three yards short of the sticks to Ty Davis Price. This is something that I I, I was curious. So I've I've well noted Sam Donald in person personally. I believe he's not that quick of a processor. I wonder that on plays like this, where you're trying to get yards, do you does is his mind or is is Kyle Shanahan telling him or is his mind just wired go hit the check down as quick as possible for these type of situations instead of going through the play as normal? Because this was something that I noticed on this specific play. Point, uh, I, I talked to John Chapman and we were like, yeah, man. I mean, he goes to that check down right there. 
And so that was something that was interesting on that specific play for me. I'm going to be straight up. I feel like Sam Darnold is a young California kid from, from the L.A. area, right? I really feel like he's actually on Twitter watching what everyone's saying about him. And I feel like he, he sees the fan base looking at the statistics of training camp. Like, honestly, statistics of training camp, it's – it's cool to see because it's cool to see because you get to see how the how the quarterbacks are do, doing in comparison to each other, but it's not realistic, right? Because you're not. It's not a real. It's not real football. It's it's like if football had a cousin, right? That gets to two hand touch the quarterback, like but the quarterback still gets to throw it. So kind of like flag football in a way because you're not tackling, you're not doing anything. But I feel like he's really watching and seeing everyone talk about how his quarterback completion percentage is amazing and how. He went 11 for 12 or 12 for 14, and he looked amazing. But then he's checking the ball down when you're in the red zone. Like, you're in the situation, you're in situational drills where you should not be checking the ball down. You should be looking to push the ball downfield, and that should be your last option or your third read when your mental clock is telling you to get rid of it. I don't know. I feel like he is one of the guys that is watching the statistics and is excited that he's completed 65% of his passes in training camp. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not going to say anything about that, but that was just, you know, an observation I made on that specific play. But Darnold got, Darnold got uh, what do you call it, four plays on that drive. Um, his two dropbacks, a sack on him personally, and then a quick check down. Uh, Lance came up. His next uh, drive, he started off with a hit to Jawan Jennings, an eight-yard out route. But then his next dropback, he was sacked by Spencer Wagey coming, uh, coming through the middle with the third team, uh, the third team offense that was. So drop back, sack, uh, or, you know, completion, sack. That's kind of like, you know, the norm for all these quarterbacks so far. However, it was 1-1-1 for move the ball for Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold. Now, or sorry, that was uh, 1-1-1 for team drills. Now comes move the ball. And this is how the 49ers ended today's practice in move the ball. It was a longer practice than I expected. They went, they, they put an extra kind of session on the clock, went, uh, you know, a good amount of time, longer session than I imagined. Um, but still, you know, an underwhelming session in that move the ball started first and 10 Christian McCaffrey's run was stuffed to the left. Cleveland Farrell had a nice rep here against our, uh, against our very own Trent Williams. Um, McCaffrey was running to the left, trying to hit the outside. Farrell was there, had a good rep, stopped McCaffrey for a loss of one yard. Then uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, got the next ball, but it was an incompletion. This one was an interesting play. It was um, Brock Purdy trying to hit McCaffrey on this wheel route type of thing. And it was, you know, he, he wanted to try and get the perfect touch on the ball. I didn't even think it was a bad ball. McCaffrey just didn't look back. The ball landed right in front of him. The ball, McCaffrey didn't look back on this play. I, I didn't think it was a bad ball. A little off target, but I think if McCaffrey had looked back, he was probably going to be able to locate it. Again, if McCaffrey looks back, the defender probably looks back. Maybe it's an incompletion. Speculating a lot there, but the issue was incompletion, miscommunication here. McCaffrey didn't look back on this play. Then that's uh, second and 11. We got third and 11 on this play. Um... Christian McCaffrey got the next ball as well, uh, got a check down. It was a seven-yard check down here on third and 11 uh, from Brock Purdy, and that set up a fourth and four. And at and this point, are they are they, are they going to move the ball, red zone? Move the ball. move the, uh, Not red zone, just regularly move the ball. They we, started at like the 35-yard line. See, that was my issue with Jimmy, right, is checking the ball down before the sticks on third down. Third and – you just said third and seven, he checked it down. Or third and whatever it was, and checked it down. Yeah, third and eleven. Yeah, third and eleven. We're checking it down. Like, 
I don't know, man. That to me, that's more concerning than attempting to reach to, to like the interceptions and stuff. Like to me, that's more concerning. Like that mentality of oh, Christian's gonna do it all. Like that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that that's fair. The one thing I will say that I don't know, um, you know, that I I don't know um, whether it was um, regurgitated or not is that it was a four down drive, and so um, maybe maybe Shanahan had told them about prior to the fact you get four you get four plays you don't get three okay, that makes sense, you huh? might get four plays because they they did go for it on fourth and four rather than look to kick a field goal or anything they went for it on fourth and four but fourth and four was an ugly one. Um, Steve Wilkes, perfect blitz, blitzed a lot of people. Um, Brock Purdy, um, then, you know, he's backing up off platform, threw it off kind of one foot um, and threw an interception. Drake Greenlaw tipped it. Deshaun Gibson caught it. And that ended, I believe that ended Brock. No, he had one more set, but that was uh, an ugly interception there. Drake Greenlaw tipped it. Deshaun Gibson caught it. Interception here for Brock Purdy. Would it have been a pick six? I know some people reported it as a pick six. Would it have been a pick six? I don't know. Deshaun Gibson was like 10, 10 yards behind, or the, uh, he probably caught it 10 to 15, 12, probably 10 to 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And there was a plethora of players in front of him. So maybe if blocks are made, it's a pick six personally would not have counted it as a pick six. Um, he just got it because the, the offense didn't even try and make an effort to try and get him down or anything like that. So he got a pick six would not have probably counted it as a pick six. Okay. That's, it's a, that's, that's fair because I know a lot of people were saying, well, at least a few people were saying pick six. I just wanted to confirm, um, see how you saw that. So, it, yeah, I mean, if you have blockers, all it takes is one one good block to spree you open. But right, if the and offensive line isn't really going after him, I mean, it's kind of hard to really dictate if he's getting there. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that ended Purdy's first move the ball session here. Um, after that, Sam Darnold got the twos. Darnold got a lot of twos today. But um, first down for Sam Darnold got sacked. Uh, Alex Barrett, Taco Charlton. It was one of them. I believe it was Barrett, but it might have been Charlton. Um, again, this one's on the quarterback. Just took way too long with this process, threw an incompletion afterwards, but it was a sack. Then second and long, Tyron Davis-Price, a good run here. Got about six to seven yards on this play off a toss, leading up a, to a third and three. And um, this one was another one. Thought Sam Donald was easily sacked here, um, but he hit – Braden Willis for a 45-yard play deep down the field, showcasing his arm strength. Um, G.I.R. Brown and uh, George Odom were both there, and it seemed as if Braden Willis had the ball punched out before he reached the end zone, right at the goal line. He was running, turned up field, tried to get a touchdown off it, but it seemed like it, the ball got punched out, so would probably rule it a fumble, but before the fact, it was a sack. So a sack... Great completion, but then a fumble at the end of the play. So a little bit of ugly on both ends there. The 49ers, though, they kind of treated this as if um, it was a catch, and they stopped uh, Braden Willis at where he caught the ball because they allowed Sam Donald to continue the drive. He got a first down around the 23-yard line. Um, first play was a run, uh, a run for two yards, leading to a second and eight. Donald hit Jordan Mason then on a screen, but Marcelino McCarry ball flew in, stopped the play for just one yard. Third and seven, Sam Darnold had a throwaway. Um, there was a pressure on the play, and Darnold threw the ball away. So got got the ball downfield. The way that he got it downfield, that's questionable because if you count the sacks, if you don't count the sacks, that that you know that kind of negates the drive. But then went back to Brock Purdy's QB one. Um, Purdy first and ten. Uh, it was a run for Christian McCaffrey for three yards to the left side. 
McCaffrey then took the next one as well. Uh, this was kind of a McCaffrey play. I mean, a McCaffrey drive, a three-yard run, a seven-yard run, an 11-yard run, and then Purdy finally got the ball on the fourth play. It was first and ten, and he got a he 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 was sacked. It was a play action. Nobody was open. Um, this one was interesting though because this one was one where you could argue Purdy could probably maneuver his way out. He had rolled out to his right. It seemed like he could have gotten sacked, but then he rolled back to his left, hit George Kittle cross uh, cross side of the field um, for a completion. You could argue it both ways, but I mean, it, it's one of those like you know. I know Brad deemed it Purdy magic. It's one of those type of plays where if he gets sacked, he gets sacked. Not sure, but he could have escaped out of it. That was Purdy's last throw of the day, though. Um, didn't count it. It was a sack. So I ended him at 7 of 13, had him at three touchdowns, had him at four sacks on the day, and had him at the interception. So, you know, a lot that went on with Brock Purdy's day. On that Purdy magic throw, um, that's how Brad explained it. So would you say – there was defenders near the area that could have potentially uh, picked the ball off? No, no. No, it was just wide open. It was wide open. But the issue was it was probably eight seconds, nine seconds after the snap. So, you know, the, the, the big question is whether he gets sacked or not because he, he was running around the field. I personally counted it as a sack, but you could see it one way or another. I, I would I would probably say he's sacked. Yeah. yeah just, just like Brian Colts, uh, Brian Colts says, hit, hit the, the like button, guys. Make sure you guys subscribe to both channels, not just one channel, both channels, Cut Gene Sports, Rohan's personal channel. Hit the like button, hit the notification bell so you know when we're going live. We're coming to you live. You want to know when we're on so you can hop on with us so you guys could ask some great questions like you guys have been. Last drive of the day, though. Move the ball. Trey Lance got it. First and 10, Ronald Daywalk got the ball. Stuffed for loss of two by T.Y. Miguel. Just a dominant day, both on the ground and in the air for the defense second and 12 Trey Lance sacked Austin Bryant once again um got there after the play Lance though had a pretty ugly throw an overthrow to Danny Gray in double coverage um ball was not gonna not nearly gonna be intercepted but just an inaccurate throw and probably not a great decision still was sacked first so Austin Bryant got that sack next day uh, next play third and 12 uh gave it to Caitlin Laybourne for a run for eight yards and that ended the day. So he did he get to was, was it did the end on second down, third down, right? Ended on so third and twelve, Laybourne got an eight-yard run. So it, it was gonna be fourth and four, but they ended the day. They oh uh, the reason is they brought in the field goal team for a kick. The field goal team could go after. Give them the damn fourth down. Give them the fourth thing. You know what I mean? Like that's what's confusing. Like you, you give everyone else. I don't, I don't know, but did he make that the end of the day though? Um, the way that I had it, Purdy, seven of 13, three touchdowns, an interception, four sacks. Trey Lance, three of four, a touchdown, an interception, a near interception. The, the true interception came after a sack, so it didn't count, but a near interception and three sacks. Sam Darnold, four of six, touchdown, a near interception, three sacks. So was did, did, did Jake Moody at least nail the kick? It was Zane Gonzalez, but he did nail it. He nailed it pretty hey, easily. Man, he's been he's been very consistent throughout camp. Niners should probably trade him. Um, or if we can get if we can get uh you know any value, I would be definitely down because he's he's a he's an NFL level kicker. He's he's not been bad at all. I mean, I would he'd be the only kicker I let kick during preseason. Showcase him. I would. I mean, I wouldn't mind. You know, uh, get uh, try and get some trade value for him. Try and start it up. So there's been a couple questions in here. I'll, I'll click on this one first. Um, before we continue to go, 
Um, Super Bowl or bust, we got it down in this advantage, advantage season in the NFC. No more FCCs. Are we – I believe it says are we – I think it's saying are we a stacked team or not, yeah. I mean, we are a stacked team, but, I mean, at the end of the day, quarterbacks do win you championships, in my opinion, in the NFL nowadays. Um, and I also think the O-line will also dictate how far we could go. So I think there's hand-in-hand. Hand, like I, I think it goes hand-in-hand hand together how, how far the quarterback could take you, but how far the offensive line could also take you um, in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, to me, are we a stacked team? Yes. Do I think that that means we are going to win a Super Bowl? No. I think the true question is the one that we've talked about all offseason, which is the quarterback position. And personally, at the moment, I don't feel confident in the three options at the moment based on what I've seen in training camp. Have, I don't think any of them have overwhelmed. Um, I, I honestly don't think that the 49ers are better off than they started training camp uh, at the quarterback position. Absolutely. Another question that I wanted to get to, and I saved it um, for uh, staring at the sun. Uh, he definitely was uh, wanted us to get to this one, so I made sure we got came back to that one. Uh, Shannon in the media session today said Brock Purdy won't play in Vegas because they never play their starters. What in the F? Why is this Purdy's job without a real competition? I'm over this team. Um, I'm concerned. I'm, I, I kind of question that as well. But at the same time, the Niners are going to have two joint practices with them, so you'll, you'll get your first team a lot more reps during this time. Um, in a controlled environment, so he gets to allow Purdy not to get hit. Now, if he pract- if he plays Purdy in the preseason, he gets hit. Potential injuries could cause. Um, he's your starting quarterback. They, um, Kyle Shanahan pretty much announced today Brock Purdy's his starting quarterback. Um, so I think that should end all debate on who the QB1 is um, going forward. He, he pretty much said, my starters don't play week one of preseason. Um, so there, there you have it. Brock Purdy is QB one from Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm 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 gonna say actually, I don't mind it. Brock Purdy, you already know that you know you you already know he's a starting quarterback. There's no there's not necessarily a significant need. I'd like the starters to play, but I do value joint practices more than the others, which is why I would prefer Brock Purdy if he were to play in a preseason game. Play in one of the one of the back preseason games where you won't have joint practices. That's that would be my preference. Either the second or the third game, especially I'm assuming they want to do that as well because it's a home game. So they'll probably play the starters in one of those three games for a series or two. Um, but Purdy is uh, the the starter. Uh, why? I mean, that's a good question. But the 49ers have been pretty steadfast in their um, response and that they they believe uh, in what Purdy did last season. Uh, you know, winning his first seven starts and things like that. They, they believe in what um, he, he's done and they believe that that in-game experience is important. And whether we disagree or agree to the situation, the one thing we can agree on is that they've been pretty clear in their stance about the quarterback position for the majority, if not the entirety of the offseason, once they found out how Purdy was going to, uh, you know, recover. And so don't mind that Brock doesn't play in Oakland. Uh, or sorry, in Vegas, just because I, I like the the fact of getting the backups more reps and seeing a lot more, not only from the quarterback position, but from the team overall. I want to see a lot of reps from the back, for the backup, see who really stands out. Um, don't mind this. Yeah, I, I do mind it, but I don't. Like, obviously, if we weren't having a joint practice, I'd be like, that's concerned. Like, what are you doing? He needs reps still, um, especially with that elbow injury. So you can kind of really see – what you could do against other teams. Obviously, we're going up against the best defense in practice. So 
that that that's the reason why I don't really care. Cause like you're going up against the best defense throughout practice. Doesn't even matter, man. Um, so you thoughts on C Ward and Lenore? Um, I think both of them are having a good camp. Like I mean, it's kind of hard when you're going up against Brandon Ayuk and he's having the camp of a of a lifetime for any receiver in the 49ers recent memory. I think what he's been doing in camp has been phenomenal. Um, and I he's unguardable. He's really unguardable at the moment. I I mean I agree. Um it's funny. Uh Trevor Ward did give up uh, I think three early catches today, including two touchdowns uh against Brock Purdy in the red zone. So I was like, man, he's getting cooked a little bit, but I was kidding in a way. Um overall they they've been solid. I mean they've been solid. Lenore looks bigger. Ward looks the the part, you know. Um, I, the main issue, if any, would be injury. Um, as long as Ward remains healthy, the 49ers are going to have a solid cornerback duo. The the true question would come if Ward faces some injuries um, because, he, you know, he hasn't practiced necessarily as much as some of the other starters in the in the preseason already uh, – sorry, in the in training camp already has had a groin injury, an issue that has plagued him in the past. We'll see how his health continues throughout the season. Um. Yafi says, keep hating on the QBs, especially Purdy. I'll be back when he's piling season wins. If he's piling season wins, we're all going to be in here excited, happy. So I don't know what um, you're talking about. We're all about we're all about the team winning. Um, so I hope you come back to, to cheer with us when we are winning games. If it's because of him, with him, um, doesn't really matter. I think we're going to be enjoying the wins. Um, going through – through practice today, I know you were saying the quarterback was underwhelming. Was anyone? Was there anyone else that stood out to you? Easily the defensive line. And uh, one thing I want to ask now, um, you know, Nick Bosa, he obviously hasn't been there, but the 49ers defensive line has eaten. How 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 comfortable do you feel about the defensive line? Under hearing everything you've seen about uh, in training camp. Comfort? How how comfortable do I feel about them? Because you know you got Hargrave now, or the defense overall. Hearing what you've seen about the defensive line. My stance hasn't changed on the on the defense because you got Austin Bryant that I, when he goes up against the ones doesn't really do much. So like he's getting his sacks on second and thirteen. So I'm not really like okay like it doesn't move the needle for me. Drake Jackson nowhere to be found should be a starting defensive end for us opposite of Nick Bosa. Clean Farrell had his best day out of camp and he's supposedly competing for the starting position. Had one day good out of ten days. Like, that's not – like, it doesn't move the needle. Um, Javon, Javon Kinlaw looks in great shape, has a good few practices, but besides that, has kind of been okay. Like, it's not – so, to me, my stance hasn't changed. I do like that the the DBs are getting their hands on balls and the linebackers are getting their hands on balls. But then at the same time, that's kind of concerning because the quarterback situation is still unknown. So – I wouldn't say that my stance has changed on the defense. I still think they're a top five or top ten defense, um, depending on how everything goes. Um, so for me, the stance hasn't changed. Um, it's maybe a little bit more concerning that the defensive ends aren't winning against the first-string defense at times, or at least the key defensive ends. So, for example, Drake Jackson, um, Clean Farrell, and then hearing Taco Fel- – the, the thing that, that concerns me the most is hearing Taco Charlton – went from landing in practice like four days ago to getting reps with the ones. To me, that's a bit concerning. Like a guy who they just signed off the streets, who wasn't with the team and it wasn't with the team at the moment, is already getting first team reps. To me, that's concerning. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're putting it in a different perspective. 
um, than I than I'd been thinking. I had naturally come to way came away impressed just because I thought 49ers would have issues at defensive end this year. I honestly thought the depth going into camp was going to be an issue. I, I was not as like Cleveland Farrell, I felt was a lock given his contract alongside Drake Jackson. Uh, apart from them two and Nick Bosa, I didn't think anybody else, you know, was a pure lock. I was curious to see how this went. And I came away impressed because I thought players like Austin Bryant, who had been injured for a portion before popping back up today, him, Taco Charlton, Alex Barrett, you know, I thought that there were a couple of names that impressed me throughout training camp. But you are right in that, you know, it, it, it does matter about consistency. And while the, the group overall has done well, there have been different players that pop up every uh, in different days. Now, am I going to discount what the defensive linemen have done? No, no. I still not. I still believe Taco Charlton has had a pretty strong camp and can has now made himself an argument to be on the fifty three man roster. Um, I, I think you know I think he's got a strong camp. I think Austin Bryant would be a premier practice squad player because I think they'll be able to stash him, so he'll be a premier practice squad player. But I I, I think that there are you know a couple of players in the 49ers um uh group now that i came away more impressed than when i entered training camp with and, and i think it's it's not a knock on the defense i'm not trying to knock the defensive line if that makes sense like i'm just trying to see when they did get their reps against the ones how did they look or the twos how do they look mm, some of them it's not impressive it's not like they dominated you know so for me that's from like yeah, I, my stance hasn't really changed i mean it's still the same 49ers defense um an elite defense top five top ten defense um now, Taco Charlton went up against the ones today. You didn't hear anything from him. That's nah, nah, nah. I, I got to hold you there because I, Taco I, did I didn't get a sack. Anything. Taco got a sack. Against who? Uh, that's a good question. I do not know. But Taco Taco was in there once. Was it against Cole McKivitz or Trent Williams with the ones? I'm talking about the ones. because he got Oh, uh, he didn't get one with the ones. Yeah, probably. yeah. I know he wasn't with the ones. Yeah. So it's like that's – I mean, if you're going up – if you're going to get – if you're going to do – for me – as a defense alignment, like you're trying to crack the rotation, you're gonna go. You're gonna be going up against the ones. So what are you doing against the ones when you do get those reps? He got right. those reps today. Didn't hear nothing from him with the ones. So for me, that's just like okay. Well, it's still the same uh, taco. We just going up against the third and second team. I don't know. Um, I mean, but again, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. I, I think it is the the deep defense line is deep, like very deep. Um, one thing that did stand out to me is. Javon Hargrave didn't have, like, the extreme um, training camp that I thought he was going to have. I'll say this, though. Um, to me personally, I think they were just purposely holding him back. Um, every one-on-one -on -one rep I've seen of the guy, dude, this guy's got a, the, a mean bull rush. I mean, he's got the best bull rush on the team. He's got a – number two might be Alex Barrett, but Javon Hargrave bull rushes everybody. He's got pure power. I do think they were holding him back a little more and team drills can't necessarily quantify that with the amount of reps he was out there and things like that but i do think that he'll be a little bit more of a force the the, the one positive though obviously with not hearing javon hargrave's name as much Art armstead i've really liked what i've seen out of him this camp i think he looks rejuvenated right now and it's because he's back at defensive tackle yeah it's, and it's he's healthy very, it's very yeah. it's it's when you play a guy at his natural position you're gonna see him thrive and see him do better um, let's do a couple more questions and comments real quick, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, do you believe our QBs are not better because Kyle is not coaching them up? Um, I'm taking this question as do you believe our – I don't think the quarterback situation is because of Kyle coaching them up or Brian Greasy coaching them up. 
I think they just need reps. I think it's a young group. I mean, especially when you look at Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, it's a young group in, in terms of experience-wise. Um, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold. You're not going to get – you're not going to take a quarterback who's been in the league for 55 starts in his, in his career and make him something spectacular right away. That's that's a project. That's why they right. signed him. It's a guy that you could win with, but it's more of a project. Um, so I'm not – I don't think it's because of Kyle or because of Brian Greasy why they don't look good or why they do look good. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really too concerned on that at all. I, I'm, I'm not either. Um, I, I don't buy too much into that. We'll see exactly, you know, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle and the quarterbacks. I think this is more so because Kyle is hands off during drills. And then he kind of comes into the, into the frame, uh, during, uh, during team drills when he play calls. I, I'm not too worried. I, I'm, I'm glad he is allowing the quarterback coaches to kind of develop the rapport and do what they do. And then really um, hammering it in. He probably hammers it in a lot more than we see behind the scenes in meetings. That's something that people don't understand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely Kyle's problem, the way he is hands-on with them. I mean, practice, you're with Brian Greasy. Because if he's hands-on with one position, it's kind of like, are you really a head coach or are you an offensive coordinator? And I feel like he wants to be the head coach. So um, another question I wanted to ask you, Rahul, what were your thoughts on – I don't know who it was in the press. Um, I, I mean – why was the question asked to Oren Burks, can you please compare Brock Purdy to Aaron Rodgers? Are you kidding me? Like, honestly, genuinely, what the heck is that? Brock Purdy to Aaron Rodgers? Like, poor Oren Burks thinking they're like, there's no way to, like, you're either going to blatantly lie or you're going to put your quarterback down, which you don't want to do. I don't understand it at all. Like, Give at least give Brock Purdy a chance too. Why are you putting him in, in the same realm as Aaron Rodgers? First of and, all, their play styles are completely different, and that's been my concern all offseason. Is the fans and other and, and and beat writers are putting them in this category because of statistics with guys like Rodgers, Mahomes. That's concerning because it puts it's you're literally framing a narrative one for fans to believe he's that elite already. And that to me, that's concerning, but I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I mean, it's exactly that. I, I don't understand why, why even try and put those expectations on him. I'm not, I'm not that sure. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like we are literally setting this young kid up for failure because people are going to hold him to this high standard. Um, and they're going to go, well, he's not Mahomes, he's not Rodgers, he's not Breeze. And they're going to be like, he's a bust. He's terrible. Like, to me, that's where, like, I feel bad for the kid. Um, can TDP jump ahead of Mason by week one? TDP already did, I, mm. in my opinion. In my opinion, we'll I think he did. The reason I don't believe so is because um, uh, Mason is really starting to prove himself as a pass catcher. And I think that that's going to be even more valuable this year than others. Um, in this 49ers offense, and that could give him the extra edge. But I mean, does that not does that mean TDP will be not a factor? No, I think TDP has earned himself to be a factor. And there's going to be a surprise when I drop my 53 man projection tomorrow morning in the running back room. I think so. Whatever comes out with the projection, I'm not too concerned because it's preseason week one. But Jordan Mason also has four fumbles. Like that's something I take into consideration as well as his fumbles that he's had throughout camp. In TDP's emergence, like you don't see the way the way I see Chris Forrester, Kyle talk about him. Like, and then I saw him in person Saturday. He looks like the second best running back on the team, even if Elijah Mitchell's healthy. That's 
I mean, yeah, the pass catching ability isn't where he wants it to be, but I believe he looks like the best runner out of the rest of the group outside of Christian McCaffrey. I, I mean, I, I think you can make that argument. I think you can make that argument um, because they, 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 they have different running styles. And uh, again, that's why I'm excited for tackling because Mason thrives when it's real football, when you've, you're going to try and have to tackle him. And um, that's where I'm curious to see where TDP goes. I still think he's going to work really well just because he's put on more muscle while, you know, decreasing um, decreasing his uh, body fat. So I think he's become a lot stronger. Uh, I'm curious to see how it works in preseason. The good part is likely no CMC. You're going to get a lot of run from these guys. Oh, yeah, and I think that, that's where one of them will have to separate themselves from, from each other. Um, make sure you guys are all subscribed, liked, the, the video um, today, make sure you guys hit that bell. Um, Lazy Television, um, we did talk about Purdy and Lance earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So we went, uh, we did that, or Rohan went through it, and we talked about how they did today. Um, so If you want one word, underwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been the, the consensus from majority of, of people that were there today. Um, you forget when asked who you are excited to see this year and he said tdp um, yeah that's uh, something chris forrester and kyle both said um i'm i'm interested to just see what see what happens um throughout the joint practice because that's where we'll start seeing what kyle shanahan believes on this team um that's the biggest i mean in my opinion the biggest question mark or the biggest test heading into week one of the preseason yeah i agree so I think that's it for today's show, and that concludes today's show. We did. Um, if you are just joining, make sure you guys subscribe to both channels, Clutch Gene Sports as well as Rohan's personal channel. Um, we did talk about how practice went today and answered a few other questions. We appreciate everyone for tuning in today. Any last comments, Rohan? Nah, man. I mean, it was a great training camp. Just want to give a shout-out again to everybody who tuned in for our coverage. Appreciate you guys supporting the channel, supporting my work on Twitter and in my articles. Thank you guys so much for following through, giving you guys, um, uh, giving uh, me and Marco your support. We really appreciate it. Like he said, be sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell, because a lot more lives are going to be happening, and you don't want to miss them. Get all the latest content from us. Yes, sir.